It's 6.27pm. And welcome to the Pompey Politics Podcast. Blue and yellow till we die. I'm Ian Tiny Morris. And I'm Simon Sansbury. So, Ian, the end of another fanciful week in November. What a week it's been, eh? Comings and goings, eh? Um, yes, that um, I didn't realise it was pantomime season just yet. Oh, no, it isn't. Oh, He's yes, it is. You. What's, what's, what's that behind you? It's your career. No, um, so... What's uh, in the box? It's the little lizard people that control me. No, what's, what's in the box is probably absolutely nothing, because if you are leaving Downing Street for the last time, unless your name's Margaret Thatcher and you're getting into a Jaguar with tearful eyes, um, then you go, you go out through the back entrance um, rather than through the front door in front of the baying crowds of paparazzi. So, um, yeah, sorry, I, I didn't buy that. That's rubbish. A little box full of lizard people. I mean, it might have had a box full of lizard people, but I don't know. For Dominic Cummings, yeah. do, does leave mean leave? Have the Conservative <laughs> Party taken back control of their Boris? Is uh, <laughs> Who knows? But, well, yeah, he, I've never been a fan. Glad to be rid of him. So, how's your week been then, chum? Um, it's not, not been too bad. I, um, um, I won't disclose for whom, but I, I started back in adult work this week. So I've I've spent a week in in training and um and meetings wow. in teams. So uh, I think they call week. it I think they call it sex work now, Simon, rather than adult work. Um, I've not been in that because, um, <laughs> to be honest, let you know, let's be clear, the refunds would be prohibitive and would yeah. make it non-viable. And also, um, I doubt whether I could get help from Rishi Sunak about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not even going to go there. So, no, no, welcome back to the world of work. Doesn't that, it take up an awful lot of your time? It's outrageous. And how's your week been? Oh, my week's been splendid. So, uh, I've got a new job. So, uh, yeah, I've um, stayed well with guide dogs. But um, in we um, talk of mucky, mucky job titles, I've, um, I've ended up as National Head of Adult Services, which is about providing services for adults. It has nothing to do with anything more smutty. So, no, I'm absolutely delighted. Um, so hopefully start that in a few weeks' time. Excellent. Well, congratulations, mate. Yeah, no, it's. Uh, I mean, it's an exciting time for guide dogs. We're looking to grow, and uh, yeah, I won't get undo the full soapbox, but yeah, it's it really is an exciting time, and uh, great to be part of the team. So, looking back into history, though, into back surely into history, you've got a, a set of riveting on this days for me. Uh, well, see, look, you say that, um, and actually. Yeah, well, was it not a great day in history? Well, it wasn't as good as some of. The, I mean, we've had some really juicy ones, to be fair. But here's here's this week's ones. So, um, fourteen ninety two, Christopher Columbus notes the first recorded reference to tobacco. Didn't kind of never ended well, did it? No, it didn't really work out so well, did it? Um, and um, fifteen thirty two, Pope Clements the seventh tells Henry the eighth to end relationship with Anna Boleyn. Um, you know, if um, if you don't want to follow the rules of the church that you're in, start your own one. Um, so, uh, la 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 la. What else have we got? Oh, 2012 Deep Horizon oil spill. BP settles for 4.5 billion dollars. Yeah, pricey old, pricey old thing, isn't it? That's um, that's um, that's a lot of that's a lot of money. Um, and um, in 2019, Iran shuts down its internet for five days to suppress news of national protests against higher gas prices. Thank God that sort of thing never catches on here. Beginning of the worst unrest for 40 years in the country. So. Oh, it's a funny old thing with your internet. Again, I was uh, I was having a little look online, and um, you know, again, we've been following the, uh, the the U.S. election where. Trump nearly admitted that Joe, well, in fact, he did say Joe Biden has won, but then said it's all been fake and it's all rubbish and it's all... But um, interesting that proliferation of, of people that are now deciding that they're not going to um, they're not going to stay with traditional social media because of its left-wing bias and the likes of Twitter actually saying, yeah, but this isn't true. So, uh, you know, there's a, there's a few in the US who are heading off to their own right-wing 
ultra right wing echo chambers where they can they can pass their conspiracy they can, theories around like they a can, mason jar. They can talk in their own echo chambers and complain and virtue signal while complaining about snowflakes virtually virtually signaling yeah. and about their own about their echo chambers. But, yeah, but th- yeah. Thankfully, it, it's a funny, funny old thing, isn't it? Social media. You've got, you know, look. It's it's got lots of positives, and again, you know, great news this week with Pfizer uh, announcing the results of their their clinical trials on the vaccine. Which then, of course, yet? inevitably spawned a fury of social media posts about vaccines and how bill gates wants to inject an elephant into your right ear and how pfizer are deeply shady and full of evil dark folk and have a history of eating but i was just well again, uh, that, well um i got i got muted again i'd only just come back to portsmouth politics and got a mute you ian really you should you should have better control than this so um yeah, it's um, it, it's a strange one, and it's a shame that there is um, unfortunately such a wide proliferation of uh, generally uninformed craziness, or deliberately uninformed craziness on the internet. But I guess that's what that's what happens. I think Sasha Baron Cohen um, was um, I saw a clip on Twitter recently where he remarked about how had social media been around in the 1930s, they'd have found it acceptable um, for. Um, Hitler's Nazi regime to be sharing propaganda posts about um, how they have a, you know, this great final solution thing. So yes. um, it's um, it, it's concerning, but we learn and evolve to deal with it. Um, so um, we ha- uh, James in the chat has wished you congratulations on the job, by the way, mate. Thank you. Um, so shall we dive in to nine oh. and a half hours? Wasn't that a wasn't that a mucky film? Um, y- yes, with... Oh, God, what was his name? I, f- I can picture him, but I can't remember his name. The, the That was Nine and a Half Weeks. Yeah, it was, it was Nine and a Half Weeks. I mean, it was, you know, it was... But it, I remember M- Mickey the film. Rourke. Mickey Rourke. I and some Sharon... No. Can't remember. I can't remember. Anyway, I'm... we've anyway we've digressed. We've yes. we've we've we've, oh. we've gone sordid. Yes, yeah. So we're going to give effectively a match of the day style synopsis of the nine and a half hours of the of the last full council meeting. Yes. And before we dive into the details, Simon, surely we've got to get to a point where we, you know, they just seem to be getting longer and longer. And almost whoever's driving the agenda has to say, look, sorry, guys, we're not going to get we're not going to get this done in any reasonable sort of time. We can't have 320 whatever's on the agenda. We're going to have to start chopping some of this back. Um, well, I, I think the I mean, I think the problem is, is that um, to be blunt, the chair of the meeting, which is the Lord Mayor or the Deputy Lord Mayor, if the Lord Mayor isn't available, um, doesn't really kind of like have the, you know, there's there's certain powers that they have to make sure the meeting kind of flows in a reasonable sort of way or to, or to keep order and to use certain devices to question whether something has, that has been done in a, in a proper way. So that, you know, um, as in, you know, someone calling a calling out a point of order or someone yep. submitting a request to speak so in, in those sorts of ways but they don't they, they don't well they let me put it this way there's certainly no exercising of any power to say your grandstand you're not even speaking properly you're grandstanding and treating this like a pantomime please just you know i'm gonna one i'm just gonna unmute you so um that uh, i guess in any i guess in any sort of professional meeting environment you'd have hopefully for everyone's benefit someone keeping a meeting to time and there being a maximum length for a declared length for, yep. the, for the meeting because otherwise things expand to fill the time available and if you don't have an end point then basically you just carry on um with everybody sticking in their two penneth um and it and it I don't think anybody's the winner. I don't think we're the winners. I think, uh, if I'm really honest, my observation is that, quite understandably, as time goes on, people get more ratty um, and people say some inopportune things. Um, Councillor Rudy 
um, slight slip of the tongue, said it, you know, said a word towards the, towards the end of the meeting, which she retracted when it was pointed out. But it's, you know, at the end of the day, after a nine and a half hour meeting, was it, was it capitalism? No, no, it, no, it wasn't the c word. Um, or in in my party, the c word is of course coalition. But um, yeah. so um, easy, stop it, stop it. No, it's not Corbyn either. Stop it. So, um, yeah, so I, I I just, if I'm really honest, I don't know actually how the officers managed to, A, last through that without so much as pulling a face, because they don't. They're absolutely amazing. Um, and how how the how the councillors actually, to be quite willing, you know, to be quite honest, still have the will to live at the end of it. I don't, I don't but yet, and yet at the same time, nine and a half hour long, really adversarial meetings. And yet we can't, we wonder why we don't have more people wanting to stand to become councillors and represent their communities if that's the required. I use the word standard quite wrongly. Yeah, if that or if that's what you've got to endure, isn't it? I think that's the thing. So, so it is a big old list to get through, and there's some there's a bit of liveliness in there. So there could be um there could be some fireworks and bants this evening as we go. So, what have you got to kick us off with? Topic one. Something, so I something, ease us in a bit non-controversial. Okay, so I'll ease us in with a nice simple subject, which is UAMs. Oh, so God. For those of us Here that, we go. that aren't, aren't fans of acronyms. So this one I haven't done, uh, I haven't done some clips for. I thought I'd, I thought I'd try and speed through these a little, a little bit. Yeah. He says, um, so UAMs, so the unaccompanied minors. So yes. um, basically, um, we're a port city. So as a port city, we get um, children that are unaccompanied presenting themselves as um, asylum seekers at or discovered as um, as, as you know, at stowaways uh, presenting at, at the port. Right. Yep. Um, and the city, uh, the council has a responsibility to uh, to look after them and to a degree actually gets some funding from central government in order to enable them to do that. Yep. Um, and essentially, what the what this um, what this issue what this um, point in the agenda was about was about saying um, actually the numbers that we're currently experiencing are thus that we are physically incapable of being able to provide the level of care that we should to these uh, to these children. Um, yep. And that's not about the money. That's about. Um, Physically, there being enough people to be able, you know, foster carers, for example, to be able to, to be able to look after those children, and there not being a mechanism to do yep. anything other than ask other authorities if they wouldn't mind um, sharing the load a little bit. Um, yeah, and if, it's my under, it's my understanding, Simon. The way that the law works at the moment, and correct me if I'm wrong here, that in terms of Portsmouth City Council being a port, whilst we might get some extra revenue. There is an expectation in the way in which it's structured at the moment that there is infinite resource. So if one child turns up, 10 children, 100 children, 1,000 children, as it stands at the moment, the expectation is that the local authority, in the, our case Portsmouth, has a duty of care then to look after those children. Yes, and, and other ports have the same sort of issue. So they have the same, yeah. the same issue in Dover. Yes. That's that's essentially it, and and what this uh, what this point is is saying is that um, is the council saying we are no longer able to meet that statutory requirement because we cannot yep. resource it. And that's and that that's literally what this is what this is saying. Um, but it, it would all seem relatively uncontroversial uncon at that point. Well, you'd think so. Um, we got to this heady item at forty seven minutes into into the as we say the the nine and a half hour. Yep. Um, I mean, Christ, um, there are Hobbit films shorter than this. So, um, um, and it goes on until the second hour. So, it, so you know, it's a good hour and a quarter that this issue is, is being discussed. Now, I haven't focused on the clips on this one because, to be honest, there's a lot of, how should we say, there's a lot, a lot, of, a lot of emotion, isn't there? Yes. Um, so in one level, in one level, um, do you know what? I, I'd, I'd like actually there to be a bit of emotion when we're discussing about whether or not our council and our and their, you know, thereby the representatives of our city can look after children that are coming here um, from, you know, whatever situation, you know, from whether they're coming from war zones or whatever. If they're coming here um, and are in desperate need of help, that they actually get the help that they need. So yeah, in one sense, yes, I think that that should be an, an emotional thing. Um, 
but it seemed to be a bit of ping pong with regard to um, who was saying what. So do you want to come in with what your team well, were, were um, yeah. concerned with? So, so the, this, so the the request to government to um, to you know that we that Portsmouth as a city um, was not able to cope with the quantity of unaccompanied minors and whether we should ask central government um, as to whether we could be excused our full liabilities has come up before came up in 2015 when there was a conservative administration and it would be fair to say that the language used at the time by the liberal democrats who were in opposition was somewhat um accusatory uh you know i listened to the transcript uh, this afternoon and words like this is about kindness um i think the conservatives were accused of being xenophobes and anti-asylum seekers and words like heartless were bandied about and i think there is a there, you know people have long memories and those kind of words tend to draw emotions so i think there was a there was a, shall we say, an emotional backlash that having thrown those epithets about before, that the Lib Dem Council, for me, for absolutely the right reasons, was going to go and ask the right question of government. But it did, I think it did, um, it did open some old wounds, shall we say. Yes, it, it seemed to. And there seemed to be a, I mean, I, um, for reasons of, to be honest, we've got some other really big issues mm. to talk about. Um, rather than kind of going into the tit for tat of the of the kind of occurrence, so it seems that I want. Do you know what? If I'm really honest, I'd want people to be upset by the fact that they're being accused of being heartless, because if they're not, then it shows that, to be honest, yeah. they are a bit. Um, and I don't, I don't know that you know. We're, uh, obviously, I haven't I haven't listened to kind of all, all of the stuff, but. With regards to trying to point out, is it hypocrisy to be against asking for something two years ago when the figures were 17, but when the figures are actually now, um, um, so when the administration changed, it was 83, um, that's minors, yep. so that's not the, so there's some figures kind of banded about, about um, which is actually the total number, so the adult um, uh, a total number of um, those presenting. Um so there's a kind of trying to make a point out of trying to compare do two different figures that actually aren't the same data set. So in English, it's apples and oranges. So there's a bit of kind of, if I'm honest, there's a bit of disingenuity there. On the other hand, it, if you thought that actually it was the right thing to do to ask for central government help back then when the issue was smaller, then why are you against pointing out that we should ask for help now when actually the issue is many many times larger i think there's a there's a party political point to to the discourse that occurred around that and that's why we haven't played the links is that yeah. that does a disservice to the actual issue itself well and i think we're at that position now aren't we simon where and as i say i you know i i, I didn't i didn't get to see you know the, the the how the vote went in the end on this for me you know, ultimately, there is an obligation to care. It's a very emotive subject because, you know, there is an element of resources are stretched. You know, we, we are having people arriving from France, which, you know, is, is and they're legally entitled to do that. I think everybody understands that. So I think it's a very, it can be a very emotionally charged, um, you know, situation. But I think everyone would agree that, you know, if somebody is here and is a vulnerable, unaccompanied minor, then we have to do something to ensure that they get the appropriate level of care. And if we can't do that in Portsmouth because the resources are stretched beyond breaking point, then the only option then is to reach out to central government and ask them for help. Indeed. And that's the, to be fair, that's, that's actually the point of the administration is that this isn't about the money. This is about us being or you know the administration as in them <laughs> being physically unable to provide the level of care that these people deserve and that they need and it's and it's about that it's um and it's only about that so it's a shame to see it turned into a grandstanding point scoring political point 
um, because actually this is about looking after very, very vulnerable people in the right way. Um, yep. Because that's, it's about, for me, actually, the fundamental of this point is about deciding what sort of country and what sort of city we want to be. Are we a country and a city that looks after people when they are at their lowest and when they need help? For me, I don't think anybody, to be fair, I don't think any, either of us are going to disagree on this point. For me, yes, we are and we should be. Um, okay, then yeah. next. Yeah, I, I think the, the problem, and I, I think this is where this discussion gets so very difficult when it moves from being from the abstract, which we can all agree on, to the practical, which is where I think it becomes more difficult. And that's where I think you have a situation where it becomes emotive you know, if you are a, a family, you know, who are living in bed and breakfast because you, you know, you, you're fleeing domestic violence, you're waiting for a council property, then I'd argue you are as vulnerable as, as somebody who's coming over from France. So there is an element of, but if there's one council property, only one of you is going to get it. And that's, that's where that, that, and that's where I think, you know, say we, we absolutely understand it in the abstract. It's when it comes down to the practical allocation of limited resources that it then becomes such a contentious issue. It, it, and I don't think we'll ever solve that. Um, indeed. I mean, there are wider and longer conversations that would probably take mm. up entire weeks of podcasts, let alone one episode where you could talk about what the root causes are and what could be done to address those things and, and how we could deal with them. But what we, you know, what is the right, what it seems to be is that we're both seeing is what is the right thing is actually is getting the right amount of care for these very, very, very vulnerable children. Um, and it seems that the administration has had to take a very, very difficult decision and made a regrettable step in order to get that help secured by central government. So currently now what's happening is the Home Office will be um, securing assistance um, we'll be looking after those uh, those children and securing assistance for them elsewhere. Um, so, so, did we end up with a vote, or did we have a big old fist fight and wave it through? Uh, so there were thirty eight for, one against, and one abstention. So, you know, near as damn it, um, um, universal you know. in in, in favour. So um, I forget who the two were that that were either against or, or abstentions. But yes, so that was that was the kind of the big one that got very very emotional. Um, but but interesting again when we look at the time in that we've we've spent how long punching each other in the face uh, in full council um it um was um just under an hour and a quarter yeah so we've we've you know 75 minutes we've gone you know several three minute rounds there and then we've all agreed that it's the right thing to do and an hour and a quarter of our life is never coming back right so that was a, that was a, 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 I don't know, we'll call that a, a, a one, that was a nil-nil draw. Well, the, the grand... yeah, probably a two-all two draw, I think we'll call that one. Lots of spectacular football, no winners and losers in the end. Well, you can, Where did we go next? You can try football analogies if you want, but my... No, you, you just nod, to, to don't worry yeah, about I'll just like Yeah, you tell, you tell me what that is. Um, yeah, yeah. Okay, my screen has just decided to... Um, to kick me out so the next thing that we wanted to discuss so the very next item on the agenda is actually one that we've already talked about before um i don't think they're following us in the sense of they're being led by what the topics of conversation are that we follow but it's they nice might. to it's nice to delude ourselves of that um so um okay so the next thing was universal basic income so there's a ah ub Yes, UB, UBI. So um, I feel like I should have pom-toms. Um, so here we had a 52-minute discussion um, on basically the motion that was brought before council um, by the Lib Dems to say, hey, COVID-19 has been a bit rubbish. Um, if there's going to be a trial of UBI anywhere in the UK, we'd like the council to lobby, lobby the government for Portsmouth to be considered for that trial. Um, because we think it's a pragmatic and fair solution um, 
to to the situation and to poverty and to um, basically the problems with income that people are finding. Oh. So the motion is saying we want to so ask, ask the government to be involved in a trial. That's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> well, the, the UBI is always an interesting arrangement, isn't it? Because if you look at UBI and 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 it's ubi and poverty isn't it so and again i've had many discussions on on poverty well i think the the one that the trust or trust uses and don't quote me on this go and look it up yourself but it's about i think poverty is defined as if you as a household learns earn less than 70 percent of the median income then you're considered poor So that would suggest to me that if you go down the right route of UBI to eradicate poverty, then you'd have to allocate it at 70% of the median income, which would, of course, then increase the median income to the point where you would infinitely keep increasing it and everybody would always, or a certain percentage would always be poor. Uh, yes. Are you talking about an, an inflationary feedback loop of yeah. the poverty tra- of the statistical anomaly that would be therefore then described as the poverty trap? Yes. Yeah. Well, it depends. And this is where when you get into discussions on poverty, if the median income was £100,000 a year, and it's not, I think it's about twenty six. but if it was £100,000 a year, anybody who's earning less than £70,000 a year is by definition poor. So by using a relative poverty definition, you can never eradicate poverty. I I see the argument that you're trying to make. Um, I'm just just struggling with some technical issues. That's all right. That's all right. So as I understand it, there were some there were some very progressive musings from the conservatives own Luke Stubbs, who, who was thinking of a dystopian future where artificial intelligence would be doing the job of people and office work would be reduced and we'd be in a service-based economy and all of those sort of Orwellian predictions of an automated future with fewer and fewer jobs about. But then ultimately, the conservatives as a team settled on the, yeah, it's all very well and good, but show me the money. Uh, yeah, so forgive me for having to speak to this rather than actually play the links because my because um, my technology's um, fallen over. But um, uh, yeah, a, a, essentially, um, that's that's kind of the, the point. And to be fair, um, Councillor Stubbs and Jones kind of did a very similar thing of saying um, this is kind of worth discussing in principle. It's where um, so Councillor Jones um, said that. Uh, the the motion the motion's actually only asking us to you know basically a, a apply to be a, a trial of something so therefore it doesn't really have any detail but then went on to say but it doesn't have any detail and I'd like to see the detail because I'd be concerned about whether it would be paid for by uh, tax rises or cuts to services um, and at what level would you would you set it so the, you know, kind of you know the mm. rational kind of fiscal um, questions that that you've raised uh, Councillor Stubbs and it's a shame my link uh, my um, my my saved clip of him isn't working he his his actual um he, he opened his point up by you know effectively saying um you know there's certain projections about the levels of um levels of reductions in uh jobs in things like the retail sector or in the office sector that will occur because of technological advancements um and and, and you know the phrase that he he used if i'm if i might slightly paraphrase him so uh, apologies councillor Stubbs, is that um, is that you know are we are we facing the end of work? Um, mm. And there's a bit of me that was, to be honest, really shocked to actually hear um, this position from. You know, let's be clear, it isn't really a position that you'd probably expect to be hearing from a Conservative councillor. Um, and um, but then he also went. He obviously he also then went on to talk about. Um, basically the machinations of actually kind of making it work there were some other kind of broader points made from from across the spectrum um uh, about the uh, you know about uh, basically the the, in, the unfairness of poverty and how 
how that limits um, people's um, chances and choices um, and how that really, really affects people. Um, but it was an interesting point of, on one hand, the council as a group seemed to appreciate as a as a theoretical exercise, it was worth mm. a shake in much the same way that we did when we discussed it on the show. Um, yep. the, the de- or the, it's worth actually exploring, but of course the devil is in the detail, but you won't know what the detail is until you explore it. So it, it kind of seemed again a bit of a weird point to say, to counter your own point by saying, we think it's a good idea and we should look at, and the motion is actually saying, we think it's a good idea and it's the right idea and we should look at it, but we're again, we, we, kind of want to express our concern about the motion because we think the the idea of it could be poorly implemented and have un, un, uh, unforeseen consequences like for example um councillor atkins uh talked about um trying to kind of break down some of the different types of um universal basic income whereby if you set it to a level that is affordable from a taxation purposes it also sets it at a point where it is insufficient to be able to pay what someone would need as a basic level of income to be able to pay their their food and their board. So, yeah. Um, yeah, that's that that's the bit where I and, and again I, I've kind of done my I've done my sort of sums that 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 you know just broadly you know when you think about for somebody you know at, at a basic level a single person you know having to rent a room in a shared house or you know a, a small flat you know very basic you know and their bills and their food board and objects then you know even the meanest conservative in me can't get that under a thousand pound a month you know even being spiteful and mean and all the things that i'm supposed to be now if i look at that in this household I've, we've got three adults in here and in uh, three working age adults and in a year's time we'd have a fourth four grand a month well that'd be lovely i'd wallop my mortgage off in inside a year but i'm not sure where a thousand pound a month is going to come from each so um yeah that's where i keep getting i keep getting sort of I keep getting stuck with UB, which is that it all sounds good in theory until you have to start doing the sums to say, well, what would you have to pay somebody minimum to allow them to live not in poverty? Because I think my £1,000 a month, mean and spiteful as it is, I don't think people would recognise that other than a life in poverty. It, it, it's, a, <clears throat> it's a tricky one, but to circle back to Councillor Stubbs's point, yeah, and... To be fair, this isn't a new argument. It's an argument that they were telling us in the 1970s on Tomorrow's World. Mm. That we'd have so much free time in the 1990s that we wouldn't know what to do with ourselves. Everyone would be pay, being paid full-time wages for working part-time jobs because technology would have replaced everybody. And, and actually, that's not what's happened. Technology has replaced lots of the skilled, expensive mm. labour, but it has meant that um, actually unskilled, cheap labour that's usually at the behest of companies and therefore has to be topped up by taxpayers um is is um as you know grown so in in that respect is that a step forward is that kind of really really what we thought and i think um i can't remember so forgive me if it wasn't uh councillor corkery or councillor udi that pointed out that the danger the unintended consequences of ubi is that it actually forgives companies of the responsibility to pay their workers at actually a decent wage um, yep. but because they know that effectively they're being, you know, that the workers are, get, are getting the UBI, so therefore wouldn't. So so there's all of these things to kind of work out. We don't have to reinvent the wheel. Other places have tried it, so we could learn from that. But from a well, point of view of all the motion is saying, other, we'd like to explore yeah. this. If we're going to try it, can we try it here? Yeah. Other places have tried it. Nobody's made it work yet. Um, we shall see. Yeah. There's always, so there's always the first shall we try it what was the decision in the end 47 minutes in so the decision was uh 24 4 and 16 Ooh. abstentions 16 abstentions yes now so it, it got through nobody was really that bothered um well um the um the tories or all the abstentions um and basically every else ex- oh no sorry councillor ferret I voted for 
So yeah, so yeah. it was everybody else. Yeah. So every everybody else. Um so uh yeah, that was a that was an interesting one on the old UBI. So how are we doing? So that was yeah, th- that was the second of our of our four big hitters. So the next one, um while I just scroll to the next one and hope that the um that the technology is working properly. Um, uh, Councillor Dave Fuller um, saying in the regard to us talking about the length of the meeting, saying that but things need to be discussed however long it takes. Yeah, no, he's, he's, he's absolutely spot on. I, I guess it's that element of it, if you know that things are taking that long to discuss, my only observation is you've got to let fewer things through the gate to be discussed, haven't you? That's the, that is the nub and the crux of it. Um, yeah, I and don't I don't know how you li- you limit it at the moment because, you know, there is an element of, you know, I don't know how many different motions each of the parties can, you know, can they table as many as they like every month? I do, I, I do not know. No, no. I'll, I'll consider that no. homework. Um, but yeah, so I, I, I guess, I, absolutely right, Dave. Um, don't think anybody would be wanting to curtail debate. I think the question I think both Ian and I are asking is, is that really debate? Is it more point scoring and grand grandstanding? And is that and it doesn't make anybody look good. Let's be honest. Doesn't no one comes out of it a winner? And it and it I don't know. It just I can't imagine being involved in it. Watching it seems to be um, painful enough. Um, so and having to make notes and take clips of it. <laughs> but then I choose to do oh, that. You, no Simon. one's making me. Damn it. <laughs> I'm looking this one. I'm working this one out. So Aquind, let's let's go for a nice simple subject for the for the next one. Good old Aquind. So we we had our let's stop Aquind chums on a few weeks ago. We did indeed. And from memory, this one this one's got to be a tap in because I've seen stuff from Penny Mordaunt. I've seen stuff from Stephen. I've seen stuff from local councillors all seem to be saying, don't be a tit, let's not just dig a big old trench the whole length of Portsmouth and Portsdown Hill and stick a bloody great cable in it, you tits. Um, you'd think so. I'm paraphrasing. You are. So we can save ourselves because I've actually got the technology to work on this occasion. Oh. So we've actually got some clips to go for. So um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play the clips. Now, some of the clips I've shortened what people have said. Um, quite obviously, because you know we haven't got yeah. that much time. Um, so I will try to point out where I have cut someone's comments because I don't want it to look like I've taken them out of context. I don't think that's fair. So are you cassette boy? No. All right. Cool. No, I, I'm really not. So okay. Um, now I'm going to press play in it, and it won't bloody work. You watch. Um, so okay. So this is uh, Councillor Stubbs opening the motion with hope of a looking forward to a bright future where we can have a quick discussion about something we all agree on. Um, and I think this is one I'm, I have a, I hope I'm going to be proven right, but one where we're all going to violently agree. Yeah, um, unfortunately, I'm just going about to um, um, upset uh, Councillor Luke Stubbs. And this is Councillor Jeanette Smith. Because um, I'm going to be voting against this motion. Um, and the reason being is that this council and members within it have no track record of working together. So, uh, and this meeting has already shown that in the uh, very first item that we sort of debated. And in um, two of the motion, um, where it says the council requests, it says the working group's terms of reference be agreed to ensure unity, respect and support amongst political parties. I don't think that's possible. Uh, but this cannot be lost in political debate so I, I've cut her there. So the bit where she comes to this has been this must not be lost in political debate. This is another part of her of her, um, so, of her statement. So I'll, but I'll pause her there and I'll oh, continue her in a second. Hold on, hold on, just a second, dear. So this is Councillor Jeanette Smith of the People's Progressive Portsmouth people's alliance i i don't mean to be disrespectful but i cannot get to grips with their name so somebody who was elected as lib dem that's correct then went independent now is part of a loose something alliance 
is the person who's telling the conservatives who have said let's all violently agree that we can't work together um just to clarify on the on the name title so that we're representing them properly it's progressive portsmouth people group yes um so um i mean i mean to be honest she she expands her point a bit and and actually makes um and and makes some kind of points of suggestion there which actually do work but before we get into that, can I just suggest that Up Your Trench Aquind is probably the best rallying call? Should we go with Up Your yep. Trench Aquind? Up, yeah, yeah, up, up, yep, yep, yep. I'm, I'm going to get t-shirts. Yep. We're going to sell t-shirts. Um, your, your trench simply isn't groovy. <laughs> um, didn't we talk before about how we should be careful about the words that we use? There's nothing wrong with groovy. <laughs> no. Anyway, so I'm going to carry on. I, I'm going to carry, carry on. on. I, yep. I'm going to carry on playing um, Councillor Jeanette Smith. After Jeanette Smith, there's a there's a clip also from Councillor John Ferret, um, which is also very interesting. So, considering how to be fair, at the start of this, both you and I would think everybody's going to be in agreement on this. This is going to be a no brainer, yep. done and dusted. We'll have it done in five minutes. Fantastic. And even um, even uh, even Councillor Stubbs um, thought that, but unfortunately. Not everybody was in agreement, but that's the point of the debate, right? Is to, well, is to let's, thrash let's, those arguments let's out. Hear. So here we go. No, let's 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 listen. So returning to Councillor Janet Smith, because none of you ever agree, so it will just be lost in a working group, which actually will not come out with anything. And she goes on to say, basically, members treat each other with contempt, score points at a whim, and that will be no different in a working party. If you truly wanted a working party, you would have invited members of Let's Stop Aquind into the working group. So, um, in in a moment that is not entirely lost with irony of statement, um, I guess there's there's something ironic about saying that you lot don't ever agree, and then seeing the result of what actually happens with the with the motion. So, shall I play Councillor Ferret? Yeah, go on. I'm I'm always concerned uh, on an issue like this, which has clearly become a campaigning focus, let's say, for the parties, uh, when they are all agreeing on it, about it's more about competition uh, in campaigning terms than, uh, than maybe uh, their actual view uh, on this, because I, I'm also concerned, I mean, this came out during the deputation earlier, uh, that this has moved beyond uh, concerns about the route uh, which the interconnector will be taken uh, and it seems to have branched out into uh, absolute op opposition or the interconnector itself and opposition for bringing power uh, from France. So um, I did have some more but to be fair I don't know that that kind of helped with the point but to be fair what then happens after that is that um, is that councillors from across different parties um, talk about basically how poorly they feel that Aquind have um, have worked with the public. Uh, Councillor Donna Jones talks about um, the uh, the very first meeting that, that she had with their representatives and how she'd told them that basically you're not really presenting us enough to kind of respond to, but based on what you've shown me so far, we think this is a bad idea and we're going to oppose. Um, which is a position that has been continued by the Liberal Democrat administration. Um, so there was different. There were some really good points made uh, by Councillor Bosher um, and uh, Councillor Weems about the interruptions to the football fields at Farlington. Um, so they're both representatives of Drayton and Farlington. So even though the Brent Gre Geese stopped Portsmouth Football Club trying to, not, they didn't. Obviously, the Brent Geese didn't physically stop the football club moving. They, um, but the existence of them and the, their use of those playing fields and the area around them meant that um, it couldn't be considered to build a uh, to build a relocated Fratton Park Stadium, um, and um, it's it, it was kind of so basically there was a, a you know lots of to and fro where actually lots of agreement did did take place mm. um, and. Um, I think it was Councillor Pitt. Sorry, again, my my clip isn't isn't working. But it was Councillor Pitt that kind of said that this is you know effectively this is a really a really daft idea. It's a really stupid idea. Um, it, you know, it's in the wrong place. Um, 
But there is a kind of wider discussion, kind of speaking back to Councillor Ferret's point of, is the council's issue that they are against it being dealt with in this way through this city, or is it against the wider issues of being against interconnectors per se, or against the fact that some of the power supposedly would be from nuclear generation, which some people um, are against. And I guess fundamentally the issue has got to be the council has a right to object about or to campaign and lobby for for the disruption it's actually actually going to cause the city yeah and and for me simon everything that i've seen from all parties has been about the impact on portsmouth and you know accusations of well that becomes a that's something that you campaign on well of course you bloody would if you as a political party are are standing against something which is going to cause massive disruption and no benefit to the people of portsmouth then Yes, you're going to tell people about that. The fact is that it's not a differentiator because so did all the other parties. Almost kind of nullifies that. And I think John has a valid point about, you know, Jeanette spoke about the, well, we should involve Let's Stop a Quint. Well, you know, we had them on and, and they, they seem very good and decent people. But we've seen other movements which are perfectly sensible, you know, potentially become hijacked by people who have got a different agenda. And so for me, if the council wants to work together across party to ensure that we don't end up with a bloody great cable running through the centre of Portsmouth, more power to their elbow, irrespective. I don't care what colour hat they wear. So, oh, I don't want to, or can I pre-guess what the result was? 38 for one extension, one against. I'm going 38-1-1. One, one. Um... I'm just... Unless any of them had died of old age during the debate, <laughs> or just sheer, um, just sheer frustration. Will to live had deserted them. Um, it was, um, it was thirty-nine four and one abstention. Ah, brilliant! Um, and how long did that little? I don't think you can work together because I'm saying we won't work together. Let's not work together. That that's it. that was just that was just over an hour. So, um, but what came out of that conversation, though, was that it's obviously quite clear and quite eminently sensible, of course, that groups like Let's Stop Aquind are involved in that conversation. That's yeah. that seems a bit yeah, of a no-brainer to me. So it, it it's, yeah. So in in that respect, it was a good kick around, and it was a good thing to see that the that you know there are things that the the city can, and the councillors, regardless yeah. of which party they're affiliated with can actually work to work together on something and it and it's good to see that without that turning into a bun fight and a competition of who said what when and who 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 owns it by um by speaking about it first which i guess was kind of what councillor ferret was was alluding to i think you know for me that's that kind of spoke to spoke to that that point um so should we move on to our next our next thing what we got and what and, we got next? And, and pray for mildly working technology this is um so next was oh. <laughs> you wouldn't believe listeners that I'd spent the entire day actually preparing all mm. these clips and actually they're all lined up ready but now actually my computer is saying that it, it can't actually find the actual video files so um, which is really really annoying so then I, you have to hear my voice instead of actually um, people's voices so um, so the last one was the free school meals one which was that we were going to discuss, which is proposed by um, the Lib Dems, so Councillor Horton and uh, Steve Pitt, um, and it's talking about um, basically the num the number of pu pupils um, entitled to free school meals in Portsmouth is is rising fast, and that's um, that's over seven thousand children at the moment, um, and that um, although the um, the government U turned on on this issue in between the motion being submitted and it being discussed um, in council, uh, councillor uh, Horton spoke to, um, spoke to how, um, will this actually work now? No, no, that's really annoying. Um, spoke to how, um, how kind of she'd written the motion with kind of that in mind and wanted to check that it was, it was still kind of working. Um, Lots of different people on the council expressed views of support and thanks to the numerous businesses and voluntary groups across the city that had stepped in to, um, to help make sure that there was food for people that were in need um, and to look into that. Um, and uh, Stephen Morgan 
um, made a made his contribution talking about um, how how uh, poverty um, affects um, really really affects actually you know the the ability of uh, children to learn and to you know and to basically have a good feeling about their place and their opportunities in, in the world and it really interrupts their ability to learn and therefore um, um, affects their their abilities to kind of do something uh, makes you know it, it reach their potential I think is the I'm paraphrasing again so so you'd think there would be an easy thing of yes actually we all agree we want starving children to be fed um, oh, you see, there, there you've used the emotive language, haven't you? Well, in a sense, that's what the that's what the motion is about, isn't it? It's about actually making sure that those children that are most desperately in need get get help. Um, five days a week, right? But five days is better than none, right? I think we can all agree on that. Well, yes, yeah. But I guess it depends whether you take the view that the responsibility to feed a child sits with the state or with the parent. Well, of course, the responsibility to look after a child is the parent's responsibility. But the parents that, for whatever reason, fail to do that, shouldn't shouldn't a society step in and make sure that that child is provided for and has, has what they need? It's not that child's fault, is it? Um, I think it was it was Councillor Corkery that, uh, that opened his his statement by saying that you judge a society by how you treat its most vulnerable, um, and you know children don't don't have a voice and they and they don't you know they don't ask for that sort of situation. So yeah, of course it's the parents' responsibility. But I find it a bit of a non a strange non argument for people to say it should be the parents to do it. Yeah, of course, no one's saying parents shouldn't look after children, are they? No, they're absolutely not, Simon. But I guess the challenge for me in this regard and in this issue is that free school meals have been provided term time only up and you know up until the, the the change over the summer holiday. So for the the times you know since we've had a welfare state, that has been the arrangement. And the issue that I have with this topic is the emotive language that is used around it because there's an element of nobody, absolutely nobody would want to see a child go hungry. We can all agree on that. Absolutely. But but if you follow the logic that unless the state provides the meal, the child doesn't eat, then that means that we have children that get to eat on Friday lunchtime and don't get to eat again until Monday lunchtime. And I don't think any of us would say that that is acceptable. I don't understand. So, one, you, I mean, you're agreeing that absolutely hungry children what should I'm, be fed what, and that it's what unacceptable. What I'm saying is that is it, it, the, uh, the only answer that appears to be on the table at the moment is to cover school holidays. And for me, that is a that is a blunt instrument to use to solve a sophisticated problem. And I think that's why I have an issue with it, because what it says is that the state will feed your child. And there is an element of we, we you know, what we don't know is, you know, and again, when the voucher scheme was issued over the summer, that I've seen no data that shows me whether that, that scheme enormously expensive as it was actually meant that children got to eat or whether the money that was diverted that was into that was diverted elsewhere so for me the issue i have around the free school meals is that i don't want to see a child going hungry and for me the basic care of providing food for your child is absolutely fundamental so if we believe that doesn't happen unless the state cooks the meal and serves it to the child then I think we've got a much bigger problem because, as I say, then, then what we're saying is that from from Friday through to Monday lunchtime, children don't eat. So I'm, um, I don't know if I'm entirely following your logic, Ian. If I'm if I'm really honest, so I mean, what took place in the chamber was so um, some some of the councillors kind of made the um, made. The, I mean, it was Councillor Atkins that that made a point about. Um, um, he raised that um, it might be embarrassing for um, for 
parents to use um, the voucher schemes um, and raise that. And in his own words, they are obviously unrepresentative examples, but there were examples in the press um, of you know the, the people attempting to use them for things other than you know to be honest, honestly for food. Um, yep. Uh, but that at the same time, what he'd rather have is um, make sure that parents have access to money that they decide how they how they spend. Um, and his case was that he was what the case that he was making was that surely that's an argument actually for universal basic income. Um, but at the very least, um, that's kind of what universal credit is is kind of set, is set there mm. to do. But I, I guess the kind of question that I'd come back with is that. So just on the universal credit thing there, Simon, because, again, it, it comes back into a, well, how much is enough? You know, so uh, the government increased the universal credit by £20 a week um, for all families during the pandemic. So, you know, as well as child benefit, as well as universal credit, there's another £20 on top per week. Now, again, this is why I find it a very difficult argument or a difficult argument to have. And look, it's so easy to be populist and say, yes, of course, we should feed the hungry children, pay for free school meals. But there's an element of that's a great gesture. But does it really ensure that children get fed? Well, what's the alternative? What what would be your solution about how you make sure that children get fed? So, so for me, you, it, it's a complex, multi-dimensional problem, isn't it? It's very similar to the discussions we have on homeless, which is, well, there needs to be more flats. There needs to be more accommodation. OK, there's more accommodation. We still got people sleeping rough on the streets. It's a more complex area than that. But for me, what we're doing is playing out a, 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 a tableau or a pantomime, which basically says if the government pays for free school meals during school holidays, that then children are no longer hungry and if they don't children are starving for me it's become a it's become a footballized issue and marcus rashford as a case in point you know which which is the case of look at the end of the day i you know the government's done the u-turn they're going to pay for it so uh, and now the you know future governments were having to be budgeting it for it to 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 last forever um well, I, I mean, I, 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 it's kind of hard to pick pick through all of all of all of that. And on one hand, if you quite understandably, excuse me, agree that of course um, children that aren't being looked after properly and aren't aren't um, getting the food that they need should get should have the food that they need should be given them the food that they need. If sadly some of those situations might be that the parents, for whatever reason, and I don't know, but you know, just using that as a theoretical example, it's they're unable to um, yep. to cope with looking looking after those those children in in that sort of situations. Just at the very least, and especially in a current pandemic situation, just being able to do that as a temporary solution. No one said it was a perfect. No one said it was a perfect solution. Whether whether you increase universal um, credit even more or whether you use a voucher scheme you could argue that there are fours and against for both kind of situations but yep. if some if you do at least something that is doing something to address a very real issue that happens um because we've all sure i'm sure seen um examples from teachers where they talk about them needing to actually feed children that come into school because their parents yep. haven't fed them they're needing to kind of set them up for the day and otherwise they're not going to not going to be in a position, position to learn and all of those sorts of and there are other to be honest more more horrific and extreme examples yeah, yep. and i don't want to fall into the kind of the, the populism of it but from a point of view of i, d I don't get what the objection is if you don't actually have a fundamental answer of what the what the alternative is let's do this it might not be perfect it may not actually catch every, you know help every child but if it at least helps some of them then, then let's do something we can do this we can we fix can. the other stuff later we can we can solve the yeah. other stuff later but the if i want us to talk to kind of come out the council the virtual council chamber and talk on a national issue for the government to be dragged to change its mind on this again when it was quite clear from them having to change their mind um back in april that you know any i'm sorry any sensible person would have said we've got more holidays coming up we should plan to be able to deal with that and have something in place to make sure that that happens and they didn't yeah and that's, no, that's no, silly and, and it was it, and it's was, a failure. It was ridiculous you know you're absolutely right, Simon. For me, the populist money no object answer would have been pay for it forever. It's only twenty million pound a week. Don't you know, just write that off. 
just make the grand gesture. Everyone then will forget about children going hungry. You've taken that off the agenda. Everyone will love you forever for doing it. And, you know, it, it's only another 360 million next year ad infinitum. So let's just, let's not worry about it. Let's just sign the check. And for me, yes, it was ridiculously stupid. If you are then going to take a stand against that from a fiscal standpoint to U-turn on it, either you believe it's not the 20 million pounds you're spending a week on it isn't delivering the results that you would want for that money, which case you don't pay for it. But once you have said you're not going to pay for it to then turn around because you know, because of a, a and make a populist gesture for me. If you're playing politics to the point where money is no object, what? Why would you not have just said, "Yeah, of course we'll pay for it forever. Don't worry." Uh, and this is that's what I find strange in your response, Ian, is that no one's saying let's pay for it forever. We're saying this is an issue it, now. Let's deal with this now. So, so when will it be taken away, Simon? So, so there is an element of so universal credits increased by twenty pounds a week with. There has been record amounts of people who are on furlough. There has been unprecedented levels of financial support being pumped in. And like the furlough scheme. So the furlough scheme finishes in August. Oh, by August, we mean September. It will finish by the end of October. By October, we mean November. Oh, sorry, not November. It will be March. There is an element of you, you can keep writing the checks because... Ultimately, until the credit card bill lands, you can just keep spending money like there is no tomorrow. No harm in doing that. And and that's what we've chosen to do. And so to tell me when having, quote unquote, solved holiday hunger in air quotes, tell me when a conservative government is going to turn around in the next five years and say, we're going to stop this scheme. When there's no longer a need for it. There hasn't been a need for it, Simon, for 70 years of the welfare state. But we haven't been living through a worldwide pandemic during those 70 years. I think I think you're comparing so to you're, you're trying to so look, you're trying to compare normal times with times with it, within a pandemic. The so, government are, of course, so doing to, things now that so they wouldn't consider. Okay, so you use the phrase, you use the, and Susie pointed out that the number of children have, have increased massively. So there's 7,000 children in Portsmouth that are needing free school meals. You know, dreadful situation. When that reaches 5,000, do we turn it off? 3,000, 2,000, 1,000. What, what, what level do we say, well, actually, because those children are going to be the very poorest not people that have fallen into it through, you know, parents temporarily losing their jobs. At what point do we turn that off again? I, d I don't know that on a Sunday evening podcast, you and I can design government or council policy. But I'd have thought that if the design of a policy, the purpose of a policy is to make sure that um, hungry and neglected children get fed, that you turn that off when you no longer need to make sure that they're fed. So you're never going to turn it off then? Because there and have you, always and your, been children. But logically, your alternative is that there will be a point at which you will find it acceptable that there are still some hungry children? What's your no, number? But, no, but that's that's my point. So, But this is where, for me, it becomes a specious argument. Because what you're, what we're saying is that paying for, paying for meals means that children aren't hungry. If we don't pay for the meals, the children are hungry. So I then take that to the point that says, oh, it's OK then for children to only eat five days out of seven. Because if the answer is the only way they get fed is if the government pays, then how can it be acceptable for the government only to pay for five days a week? We are reaching the end of, in fact, we're probably over time. Well, so we are a bit, probably um, won't have been as rat faced as me. So how did the vote go in the end? <laughs> So um, we'll have to talk about whether we want to summarise in three minutes what happened in the other issue that we were going to discuss. So on that issue, um, there was a... So on the free schools, there was a um, an amendment um, which, uh, which came from Councillors Stubbs and Jones, uh, which basically inserted loads of reference to all of the things that the government have um, done to... Um, to um, aid in the situation um, the um, the amendment was rejected by uh, by Susie and was rejected by uh, by the council 
and with four, uh, 15 voting for and uh, 24 against and two abstentions on the amendment. So the uh, so the motion unamended um, passed with uh, 26 for, zero against and 15 abstentions. Yeah. Party lines again. Uh, yes, yes, pre predominantly. Yeah. Um, with a, do we tease it or should we very, very quickly summarise... I, I think that one's worth more of a discussion. So we haven't got a plan for next week. So maybe that will give us a small segment to have a play with next week. Well, the stop the ho stop finding homeless people. Yes. Okay. So we will we'll revisit that or visit it next week when hopefully I can sort out my technical issues as the clips. I do apologise that my Indeed. problems with my technology meant that you were listening to our voices instead of a bit more of some of our councillors. Um, that at least makes it a bit more interesting. But um, we'll try. We'll try and fix that for next week because you've been listening to the Pompey Politics Podcast. Blue and yellow until we die. I've been Ian Morris. No longer tiny. I'm. Simon. Oh, I've got that. Yeah, I'm still tiny. <laughs> and I'm Simon Sansbury. <laughs>